0: From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Wow, it is great to be back in this room with all of you Worthless Servants. I am Scott Armstrong and to my left I need to introduce you to AJ Fry. Hi guys. Then to his left, Emily Armstrong. Hey everyone. Across from all of us is Natalie Franco. Hello. And then Chelsea Fry, as always, to my right.
2: Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. In 2017, more people were killed from injuries caused by taking a selfie than a shark attack. (laughs) (laughs) Might believe it.
1: I I do actually believe that one. (laughs) So you could take a selfie and fall. Into the
0: water and, Ooh, and be and eaten by, by a, taking a shark. A selfie, a selfie as they were being attacked a by a selfie shark, shark
3: attack. <laughs> I could see that. Happening. A great selfie. which statistic would that pat? Yeah,
1: <laughs> one both. for each.
2: Whichever right? one <laughs> was the cause of death. Yeah.
0: So Wait, is there that was a Venn diagram of Ooh. them both?
2: No, I said killed. Oh, death!
0: Actual oh, death from yeah. selfie. Death by selfie. Not the. Lead. No, because they were taking <gasps> because you know worry, somebody really? was taking a selfie as they were crossing the highway. And they got hit by a car. <gasps> totally. Oh,
2: Ow. on a train track. Well, let's yeah. not go yeah. into detail.
0: I'm just saying that happens.
1: Does anybody Good have minutes. like a really quick terrible selfie fail?
3: No, mm. I don't do it I hit I've seen head, too many of those stories. Well,
2: I drop my phone all the time and hit myself in the face. When you're taking selfies? <laughs> wait,
1: <laughs> wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, wait. Let's go back. Drop your phone and the phone hits yourself in the face? Because you know when you're taking a selfie, you hold it up above exactly. you. Uh, and then it, like, falls out of your hand and it smacks you in the that's face. That's why I got
2: this pop socket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that leads us to our first sponsor, Pop Socket. Pop socket. <laughs> Please sponsor, us. please somebody, <laughs> somebody. <laughs> somebody. So, uh, we are really excited to be with you today, and it is—it's uh, part of our series um, that's dealing with church planting. Not that they still still thinking of this <laughs> selfie that crushes Chelsea's face. Um, You're welcome. And, and uh, we are talking about church planting. It is the most effective way studies have shown, to reach a community. And so we're talking about that, but using a document called the 10 Practical Steps for Planting New Churches, written by missionary and church planter Manuel Molina. He's been doing this for quite a while, and he has a lot of wisdom for us. So we've already gone through several of the steps in previous episodes. Encourage you to to really start with those if you could. And uh, those first steps are intentional prayer and then planning. Number three would be making contacts. Number four would be evangelism. And then here we are with number five, which is discipleship. Now, he really talks about discipleship kind of in a different way. He doesn't say that discipleship is just getting through the lessons. So, you know, what what is discipleship according to Pastor Manuel?
3: I like what he wrote when he said, center the discipleship process around the development of the disciplines, meaning spiritual disciplines. There is no other way to maintain long-term growth. And even as I read that, I thought that is like, the most basic of the basics, what we need to do in order for our discipleship. But how often do we truly base, if you're gonna say like we have this system of discipleship where there's somebody that comes to know the Lord, the things that we typically teach them, at least in the Nazarene denomination, are based around the 13 lessons, you know, that come in a in an envelope and they usually have to do with like church membership and baptism and why we tithe and stuff like that. And um, and so when he was writing that, it went to the point of of teach a new believer how to self-feed, yeah. how to, how to read the Bible. And we talked a little bit about that in the last episode when we were talking about even the evangelism process of um, just that hunger for reading the Bible, of how to pray, why we congregate, all of these things that feed our spiritual life, Um, because we as the church planter aren't going to be able to give that to them their whole life. Like in order for them to mature, they need to be doing those things themselves. And um I really appreciated that he based it on spiritual disciplines, because I don't feel like I've heard that taught a lot, even though like when I read it, it's like, Duh. Like, that makes sense. You know, like, why would we even have to say that? But I don't see a lot of systems based on. So let's learn how to read the Bible. You know,
2: Mm -hmm. I really liked this portion of this article, the discipleship. The line that like I need to share with the world is (laughs) we are he's talking about the Great Commission, go and make disciples. And he says, we are not only to gain converts, it is crucial and important that we understand this truth. So this discipleship piece is not asking people, do you believe in the Lord? Do you want to accept Christ? It is the next step. And that's what we're called to do. The The, the Great Commission is make disciples, it's not make converts. Mm. And that was huge for me when I was reading this. Like, I knew that in my head, but I had never connected the dots. Yeah. Um. So that was really just, I needed to share that with you. We'll <laughs> That's for you.
1: So how do we know that somebody truly is a disciple? And it gets back to maybe, Emily, what you were saying. I mean, it's not just that they've gone through the 13 basic Bible study lessons. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking now that they need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They need to be practicing some of these spiritual disciplines. They need to be even discipling others and longing for the Bible. As we talked about in a previous episode, he really focuses on five disciplines for personal growth, prayer, Bible study, worship, testimony, actually telling others. And then I thought it was interesting. His fifth was a life of complete love for Christ. So I think that would fall into just even sanctification, even just Mm -hmm. uh, us being fully... Uh, filled with the Holy Spirit so that we love him more than anything. You know, is there something maybe that
0: we should add
1: here or that you guys
0: think he missed? I think I would add maybe community or accountability to this list. I I guess that could fall into like testimony or Bible study. But like this sharing life together with other other believers, I think is important um, because we're not alone. Like there are other people along this journey with us. And for me in my life, like it has been so important to have other people that I can be accountable with. Like if I'm going through some something hard or if I'm experiencing um, some tough times in life, just say, Hey man, I'm, I'm struggling with this or I'm dealing with this. Um, Can you help me or pray with me about that? That's been so um, crucial, essential to my spiritual journey in that. So I think I would add Maybe accountability would be more the thing that I would add to this, but just like this partnership with somebody else in the faith.
4: Yes, and I think Jesus is the best example because he came and he developed relationships with people who needed to grow closer to God, for example. And he prayed for others, he lived life alongside average people like fishermen, tax collectors, like he with pretty much everybody and also he ate with them he was sharing with them he was doing everything with them and he was teaching them Mm -hmm. how to be like like god Mm -hmm. and i think we have to ask ourselves every single day when we want to take a decision like what jesus will do what Mm -hmm. he will do and the question i think we also need to ask is am i loving others Or am I just passing by them? Hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. This is really good because Jesus's model of discipleship was walking alongside people. There were moments when he was teaching. There were moments when officially he was was sharing the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount and things like that. But a lot of what we have is just him living life with other people. And I like how you said average people Mm -hmm. too, Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. I love at the very end how Manuel kind of says, hey, a lot of times we as leaders fall into uh, some common errors. He says we need to avoid the following things. And well, I won't list them, but did any,
0: any of them jump out at you guys? The one that jumped out to me was um, measuring success in terms of attendance or like in numbers. That is so easy to do, Um, (laughs) especially like if we're if we're accountable to like a mother church or to the district. And we want to say, you know, how many how many people did we have in attendance for our service or to a Bible study this this month? I mean, it's so easy just to get discouraged if you know there's only ten people in your Bible study, or three people in your Bible study this week, or I only I only made contacts with two people this week. Um, it's easy to measure our success in terms of numbers, but what we should really be looking at is how deep are those relationships? You know, how how meaningful are those conversations? Even if you had three people in your Bible study this week, what did you guys talk about? How are those three people growing in their relationship with Jesus and it's It's even harder once the the church gets bigger and you get to like organizing the church and the district starts asking for those numbers um to stay focused more on on the relationship and the depth of those relationships than it is numbers number in attendance.
1: This one's really hitting me because I'm a pastor as uh, <laughs> listeners will know, and oh, we just had a family, one of our key families move to another country, and I just was like. Oh, man, that first of all, the attendance will be down. That's two of our board members, mm-hmm. you know, um, plus a family that I just really love, you know. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, I, that's discouraged me. And sometimes I feel like, oh, we're not making a difference. I mean, we're, but it's kingdom work. And I know that, you know, it's attendance went down, especially in a smaller church when one family <laughs> leaves. But at the same time, it's not about that. So this is kind of hitting me hard.
3: Well, in church planting, too, when we talk about the, you know, this is in the context of our discipleship process. And um, I was really challenged a couple of years ago by our friend Dario Richards, and he gave a um, devotional on John 15 just talking about abiding in the vine and it's the vine in the branches. And, and, uh, he said something that just is super challenging and I'm not going to do it justice because I didn't write it down, but the concept of what I internalized from the devotional that he gave that year was that we need to change our metric of success. And according to John 15, our metric of success is somebody that knows Jesus more and somebody that starts to produce fruit. And so when we look at that in that discipleship process, it's not just about who's in our Sunday school and it's not just about how many lessons they've completed. And like those are easy metrics, right?
4: Mm. But
3: um, the metric that we need to look at on discipleship is, are you growing in the fruit of the Spirit? Are you starting to find other people that need the love of Jesus as well and you're starting to share? with them and grow. So I think that changing our standard of success, that it's not just in numbers anymore, it's in the depth of people's relationship with Christ through discipleship is super important. One of the other things that Manuel talked about, you know, like something to avoid is just dependency. And I think in discipleship, it's super easy to create dependency and you don't even realize you're doing it Mm -hmm. at the time. And I've wondered before, I've wondered out loud. I've never wondered on this podcast, but um, I have had the conversation with a few people before of, I've, I have to ask the question of is church planting supposed to be like a short term assignment when you look at what Paul was mm-hmm. doing who's one of the best examples of church planters that we have in the Bible he was not somebody that started a church and stayed with one church like he was there I think I've never done a study on it but I would say the longest time he was with one church that started was two years yeah. two mm-hmm. to three years potentially mm-hmm. um, and you have all of these churches that he's writing as letters too. So in the Ephesians, the Corinthians, the Philippians, I mean, he's been everywhere and there's no way that you can invest um, tons and tons of time with those people if you're going to move and And I think the essence of knowing that he was there for short term helped him avoid this dependency. Like he went in with the thought of like, I'm in and out. Like, if the gospel is going to take root in your life, yeah. it's because you start to do this for yourself. I'm not going to be here all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty healthy way that church planting is. And I don't know that we see it very often mm-hmm. in reality. Mm-hmm. It's it's more of a church planter goes in and then is like, I'm the founding pastor and... Yeah. And whatever comes of it, I'm here for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, or whatever. And so I just kind of wonder if that if it's hard to not create dependency in discipleship.
1: That's interesting because if you're there for only two years, like our missionaries with uh, Genesis assignment are, mm-hmm. it lights a fire. It should light a fire mm-hmm. under you. Oh, these people have to become disciples, and disciples have to be leaders. and mm-hmm. and we don't have time to just kind of, hopefully it happens. No, we're gonna really, <laughs> strategically lead them through this? Well, I think this moves us from step five, discipleship, into step six, which he calls the spiritual community. Now, what he's referring to is meeting together and serving one another. He's still not, and we'll talk in the next episode, about actually having services together, but he's talking about cell groups and uh, meeting in people's homes and starting to serve one another. So, uh, what are some of the points that he brings out or that you would like to bring out now from,
0: you know, this step six. One of the things that he mentioned, and I think it goes off what Emily just said, the good, a good segue in between the two points, two steps, is he said that church planters should invest their time in preparing the leaders. I think that's key. Because if we're only here, if we're only planting this church for two years, we have to start investing in the leaders. And like Emily said, it's it it could be easy to fall into this rut of I'm the church planter and I'm the founding pastor. And so I have to be here through this whole years of process and all this. But Manuel Molino is saying, no, like invest your time mostly in the leaders so that they can lead their own community. I think that's that's essential. And in our life as missionaries, I always remember when I was taking classes at the university that our professor said, a missionary's job is to work themselves out of a job. That means like you shouldn't be there forever. You should always try to find local leaders to replace you. And I think that's the same for church planters. Even if you're in your home country or your your own culture, if you're planting a church, you should find leaders within that community that that can continue the work after two years, let's say. Mm -hmm.
1: So in these cell groups, I think what I'm hearing you saying in this step, they're starting to meet needs within themselves. It's not all on the church planter or on the leader at that point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And on the flip side of that, also teaching this mentality of, like if you're the church planter teaching this mentality of, church planting so like we're assuming this church planner is coming in with a call to plant a church and so creating this excitement around it and the idea of continually church planting is important and I say that because I have an, an example that contradicts it mm-hmm. we were talking with a small group leader of a it's a large church and they have small group ministry also, and their small group at this point can't bring in any more members because literally the house can't fit anymore. They've already moved to a bigger house. They're at the max. But so my question to them was, well, why don't you split and plant another group? And the response was, well, we're all really good friends. And we don't, if we did that, we'd We'd have to bring in people that we don't know and then people of the other group wouldn't know the people of this group and we couldn't do things together. And, and I was like, Oh, but what about the people? Like, so having this mentality around your spiritual community that the, the relationships you build, build and grow are more important than their relationships of the past. It doesn't mean that you can't reconnect. It doesn't mean that, that that small group couldn't still connect in some way. But like having this mentality of reaching the lost needs to be our priority.
1: And Manuel would say, you're investing in local leadership, but then they're the ones that start. Those cell groups can be the place where they start to realize, oh, I could do this. I could share mm-hmm. a lesson. I could pray for somebody. And it's, not as intimidating right. as it would be in what they think is an official church service, you know? Right. And so you invest in those leaders and then insist. What? How does he say it? Insist on local leadership. Yeah.
2: I think in the example I just shared, like the, the problem they're having on another side is there's two people that are leading that small group and they're the only ones that feel confident to lead it. And right. so if you were to split it, it's a couple so who's gonna be the next leader also? So they the haven't same done well. Exactly.
1: At training other people. Exactly. And why would they need to if they all just exactly. love getting together?
3: One thing I've been thinking about in this conversation is the spiritual community. And it's step six. It comes after discipleship. And um, even though it like comes after discipleship in these steps, it's more of like an integrated step. So as you're discipling, it's interesting to me that there needs to be—it it arises out of a need. Like mm-hmm. So you have a disciple that starts to say, but I need to be doing this together. I need to be journeying with other people. And that's what makes Christianity so great is we're a community-based community based uh, religion that we seek Christ together. We're better because we're together. And so these cell groups become places where we learn from each other and we're exhorted by each other. And I learn Natalie, from how you're learning about God and you learn how from I'm learning about God. And sure. so these cell groups become that place. And I think there comes a point where when we've been meeting as the church planter and you can start to see potential in some of those leaders, the leaders don't even believe in themselves. We've had that experience as we tried to grow in the church plant that we are and we have Wednesday evening gatherings and we've said let's be in our neighborhoods instead of in our church building we're going to go to our neighborhood and we identified two or three or four even people that we were like you have the gifting to be the leader of one of these cell groups and uh, one of them struggled and struggled and struggled and uh, she came back to us and she said you know brother Scott and sister Emily it's just you know what the Bible says a prophet in his own hometown is never listened to To and like she felt as though because I'm the leader in my own neighborhood. Nobody wants to come listen. You know, nobody wants to be a part of that. But if
1: we were to come, then people will start.
3: Right. And so she was, you know, saying, so you guys come. You guys are not from my neighborhood. And they'll come and listen to a special speaker. And it's just interesting for me. I don't know that I place a lot of value in that all the time. Sometimes I feel like there's just leaders that are like, this is too much work. (laughs) You know, and like, I'm still trying to figure out if I'm going to be committed to being the leader. Um, And so for me, this is one of the hardest Points of church planting is when it's like, okay, so we're taking this out of the individualistic and we're turning it into community, and we need more leaders in community, and the leader still doesn't feel like they're a leader themselves. And so to empower people, that's what Manuel's point is, is we need to empower the local people. But so often they doubt themselves. And so I think that is a really big challenge in church planting. Uh, we would wish that it wasn't a big challenge, but God does raise up the people that need to be in that. And I think as church planters, it would be easy to say, well, you don't do it the way I do it. You're not as good or you're not as educated or whatever, because maybe they're a new convert that are doing that. Uh, So leaving the space for them to become the learner and the teacher at the same time is is a great challenge for the church planter.
1: This is going to lead us into our next episode, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Uh, But if you'd like to continue this conversation, Emily, where could they talk with us, and where could they continue this?
3: Yeah, find us on our website at mesoamericagenesis.org. You can also find us on our Facebook page, Worthless Servants Podcast. You can write a comment on the page. You can send um, an instant message to us, and we'll get you any of the information that you're looking for.
1: We can even actually give you this document. I know some people have asked uh, after these last episodes, uh, where can I get the whole document? Well, we are doing this in several episodes, but you can certainly have that PDF or that Word document, and we'd love to know if you're interested in in church planting. That's what we do, Uh, and we're pretty passionate about it. So I think that will uh, lead us to, to the end of this time, and we still have a few more episodes to go on this topic Uh, And I'm excited about that. But for now, we are the Worthless Servants. And I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry.
3: I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Chelsea Fry.
1: And we will talk with you next time.
0: For more information, visit us on Facebook or at Mesoamericagenesis.org.